Hello and welcome to this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Joshua. Recently, I spoke to Amir Pineda, single point of contact for the Pharma.Aero and Tiaka Joint Task Force, Nathan DeVolk, Chairman of Pharma.Aero, and Frank Van Gelder, Secretary General of Pharma.Aero. Pharma.Aero is a Brussels-based nonprofit and inter-industry collaborative unit connecting airports, pharma shippers, and other stakeholders with the goal of ensuring the effective transport of pharmaceuticals across the world. In this episode, we discuss some of the security and safety concerns surrounding the initial shipments of COVID-19 vaccines. So I'm wondering about surprises you might have encountered during the initial rollout, but specifically as it relates to the storage and the shipment technology, if there were any examples of that that, that you're able to talk about. Well, I, I think uh, when, when it comes, well, it's not really a surprise, but definitely a, a, a confirmation of, of, a, of an attention point we had already put on our agenda was, was additional security when it comes to storage of, uh, of these vaccines. Uh, and, and not only physical security, but also um, digital security. Yeah, we've, we've seen some reports and warnings about uh, well, people that, that want to, uh, to, 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 to potentially steal or, or copy or counterfeit these, these vaccines because they're extremely high value, of, of course. Um, so that is de- definitely something which we... we, which we um, had to had to look at. I, I'm not saying we had to upgrade a lot because most of the security uh, regimes for the for the warehouses where these vaccines are handled at the airport are uh, are part of the regulated agent air cargo security regime. So so it, it it's like put, putting all the security procedures that already existed put put it on sharp and. Um, and, and make sure all the different stakeholders talk to each other, that there's no weak links in the secure, sh- secure chain, um, including the airport itself, and when it comes to transporting the goods to the, to the, to, to the aircraft. So I, I, I think that is one of the examples where we, where we definitely um, um, had to do more than like the standard pharma handling services that, are, that, that were offered in the past. Yeah, and, and that underlines, if I may, Nathan, it's one of our major conclusions of the second white paper that came out, is the need for this um, private and public uh, joint collaboration when airport or air cargo communities um, put themselves around the table uh, to make it work. So it was actually drafting a full scenario with temperature and handling, but also security, um, reliability, speed, all the elements that were very important when it came down to this uh, traceability to this uh, vaccine, that these airport and air cargo communities um, drafted agendas around the clock uh, to be ready to do it. And, and um, that underlines the, 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 the wide need for um, a collaborative approach. Yeah, and then a third element I would like to add, which is uh, I uh, was already touched upon by Emir, the, the need to to collaborate uh, within the community and to set up control uh, towers. Um, we also did that at, uh, at Brussels Airport, basically to, to make sure that uh, the information about all these vaccine shipments, typically they're like when every operator that handles a vaccine or a pharma shipment, will collect a lot of data on that shipment and the temperature at which it's, it's handled and uh, uh, specific checks they do um, and, uh, and, and timestamps. Uh, we, we now have set up a process within our community sh- to share all those, uh, all those data points um, in, a, in a digital system 
which is controlled by uh, a community control tower, and and this this gives additional visibility and traceability of that shipment, and that is definitely. It, it's just uh, we are just at the start of this initiative, but it's definitely a very specific request from the, the pharmaceutical manufacturers and the forwarders that that want to that to have the ability to to know real time where, uh, what what uh, where their shipment is and if if something would go wrong that they can immediately react uh, against that. Um, which is Emir, what what you already referred to at, at Miami as well, I believe, at the, the control tower function. Right, correct. Uh, in, in our case, uh, you know, we've got several airlines that are uh, using that uh, initiative to make sure that they're tracking the shipment uh, throughout uh, the transportation process uh, and making sure that uh, temperature uh, and security is maintained throughout um, the entire um, process. And, and that's something that maybe we haven't touched upon a little bit too much is the security nature of the vaccine distribution. It's something that's very important. Um, early on in this process, uh, when um, the vaccine was approved in the UK, some of the manufacturers and some of the transportation companies involved in there were attacked, uh, had a cyber attack uh, take place. Uh, so uh, that, that just indicates to you, you know, how important it is to make sure that security, uh, both from a cyber and from a uh, physical uh, standpoint are in place to make sure that the transportation of the vaccines are secure throughout uh, the entire process. So I wanted to ask, early in the rollout process, some regulators, including the EASA and FAA, were concerned that there could be issues in flight, say, if dry ice uh, evaporated suddenly, like a large quantity of it. Did anything like that ever happen? And if it didn't happen, um, how how did you or others plan around it to ensure that it didn't happen in the first place? Well, it, it actually happens all the time. If uh, you, if you put dry ice in, uh, it's it's frozen uh, CO2. So if you put it in a box, it it sublimates, and so it uh, it it changes from a, a solid state to a gas state, uh, and uh, it it uh, it pushes out the oxygen. And so it basically changes the composition of the atmosphere, mm -hmm. and it's potentially dangerous for uh, for the crew of the aircraft um, unless there's a good ventilation system in the aircraft and that's exactly what all the aircraft uh, operators had to do in, in collaboration with the aircraft manufacturers they calculated the exact sublimation rates of the of the dry ice in a specific packaging and then they looked at how much of that uh, that gas can be can be evacuated through the existing ventilation system and as a result of that they they increased the, the maximum uh, dry ice limitations on the aircraft and it, it's different per aircraft type mm -hmm. um, yeah. that's exactly right and I, I'll just add just one thing is that uh, what occurred uh, early on is several uh, carriers around the world uh, asked for um, you know to have that dry ice limitation uh, changed so they basically went to the regulators the FAA and others uh, the European um, authorities as well um, to get a, a, uh, an increase in the number and the level of dry ice that the aircraft could carry. Um, so uh, that was something that uh, several carriers did and were granted. Thanks again to Amir Pineda, Frank Van Gelder, and Nathan DeVolk for joining me on this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. To hear more about Fromadar Aero's role in ensuring a successful vaccine rollout, be sure to check out the mini-feature in this month's digital issue of Air Cargo World, Great Things Come in Cold Packages. Special thanks also to our listeners and readers. 
Download and listen to this episode at aircargoworld.com as well as on iTunes and Spotify. 